It has been such a crazy year with COVID and everything else going on, and we have missed you guys so much. So we are so excited to finally launch Cozying Up Season 2. We have an amazing lineup of badass women with such inspirational stories of different walks of life, and I am I can't say excited enough, but so, so, so excited to share those with you. Hope you enjoy. So today we sat down with Megan Roop. She's the founder of the Sculpt Society. As many of you know, I love the Sculpt Society and it is this at-home workout that really kicks your butt. But she wasn't always an overnight success. She really trusted her intuition, which led her to founding her company and where she is now. And I thought, you know, Megan's journey was so inspirational because it shows that not all paths to success are linear. And, you know, out of this crazy year of 2020 where we were all locked at home and we all had to work out at home, that's where people discovered her business, her talent, and that's how she really blew up, which is an inspiration in itself that you can find success and light in this craziness and darkness of this time. I hope uh, the interview with her will inspire you to, you know, chase your dreams, follow your intuition, or maybe just do a kick-ass workout. Yay! Well, welcome to Cozying Up with a Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. And I'm so excited because today we are with someone that really inspires me, Megan Rube of the Sculpt Society. I feel like I know you already because I, all through quarantine, I, that's when I discovered the Sculpt Society and I like started doing like the daily programs and the weekly things. And it really kept me sane. And you were like, in my in your apartment every day in my apartment every <laughs> single day and I was like oh my god and I love like the whole method and everything and it was such a great way to be active when we were like stuck inside well I'm so excited to be here and I hear that all the time that people you know it's like your your friend in your living room yes. out with you but I, I so appreciate that that's how um how it reads because that's how I want it to feel. Mm-hmm. I really want people, if they are working out with me on the Sculpt Society app, that they that they feel like they have a friend with them. Yes. Um, and it's really um, a casual, almost conversation. Like, hey guys, I'm with you here again today and, and we're going to do this together. Exactly. And you actually do the whole workouts together, so. which is like so crazy. So when I'm like dying and I look up at the screen and you're like, <laughs> keep going, it like really resonates yes, with me. Yes. So I mean, even if I'm in real life or on on the, on the Sculpt Study app, I think it's really important to see the trainer do the entire workout because you know you've been in those classes where the trainer is walking around most of the class and you're like, hey, buddy, if you were actually doing this, <laughs> it would be a little bit different. So um, I'm constantly reminding everyone that I'm I'm feeling the pain in, or the, the spice, as I like to <laughs> that say, <the> spice. <laughs> um, with, with my clients as well in my community. Awesome. When you were like your younger self, did you think or see yourself in, you know, as a founder of a business or did you see yourself where you are now? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) If you would have told me growing up, this is what I would have been doing. I I would have said you were absolutely crazy. I think, um, you know, I always, I didn't really have a clear vision of what I wanted to do. I definitely always leaned into the things um, that I enjoyed. So for so long, that was dance and really leaned into that passion and in pursuing that. Um, And then that really did evolve into fitness. And I started um, teaching fitness in New York City as a side hustle, but 
really discovered like the true love uh, love affair of that and and just started to lean more into it and really saw that as a long-term career for myself. So I think I think for me it's always been good not to have this like strict idea of what I needed to do because it allowed me to sort of ebb and flow and lean in and continue to do the things that I love to do and and have that ever evolve. And so for for me that was dance and then fitness and I just took it one step at a time and and um but no, I definitely would not say this is what I thought I would be doing. However, I definitely come from a family of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad is an entrepreneur, and I I think that really instilled a lot of the values I have and, and hustle I have. So you um, had that entrepreneurial spirit always. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey from, you know, being in dance to transitioning into fitness and, you know, ultimately founding the Sculpt Society. Yeah, it was tough, you know. So I, I went to NYU's Tisch Dance Program. I went to NYU too. Oh, you did? I didn't know that. Yeah, I went to, for, but like for me, media and communication. Okay, well, I um, minored at Stanford. Oh. <laughs> so maybe we had a class together. Yes. Um, yeah, I loved My minor was my backup plan for my parents <laughs> yes. because they were like, you're going to major in dance. Mm-hmm. And I said, fine, I'll get a minor, you know, if I need to, if I need to, to use it. But um so, you know, it was, a, it's the Tisch Dance Program's small. Intense. And it's really intense. Um it's really almost like a conservatory, but you're getting a BFA. And then, you know, you graduate and you're kind of like, okay, I'm in New York City. I'm paying really expensive rent. Yeah. What was your plan for when you graduated? Zero. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I was just like, I'm just going to, you know, I had this idea that would all fall into place and it certainly, it took a lot longer than Mm -hmm. I thought. You know, I, I think the idea in my perfect world was, was, was that I would go and I would dance on Broadway. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I quickly discovered that I didn't have a strong enough singing voice to be in the ensemble <laughs> uh, chorus in Broadway. I would constantly get past like the dance audition and then they call you back to sing in front of everyone. And that would be, they'd be like, thank you, ma'am, but <laughs> we've seen enough. But, you know, I, I did a little theater work, um, a little bit of company work, modern mm-hmm. company work. And then um, I worked with the MBA and found really found my stride really more in commercial work. So mm-hmm. danced uh, with the Brooklynettes oh, cool. um, for two years. And that was really fun, but it definitely took me a while. I had many moments, you know, when I graduated where I was like, should I move back to California and like start over? Because, <laughs> you know, I, I, the idea of going to another audition and being told no over and over again was disheartening after a couple of years. And then of course, trying to survive here. So I had a bunch of side hustle jobs and one of that was, was working in fitness, um, which I'm so happy that I stumbled upon because again, that really led me to where I am now and, and just fell in love with the community and working with women and seeing the direct impact that I could have on their lives, um, through moving, moving your body. Yeah. So was there like a specific time that you, you know, faced rejection or like criticism that really stuck with you that motivated you? Ooh, I mean, I, it was like a daily, the daily yeah. basis when you're in the dance world. I think, um, I'm a really sensitive person, but I also have thick skin. And I think that's to, that's in tribute to, you know, going on auditions and being told no over and over again. I think as a dancer, you really have to be your own advocate and your own cheerleader and know, um, really like as cheesy as it sounds, like really believe in yourself yeah. because you walk into an audition and you're this, you know, you see 400 girls who look exactly like you, <laughs> yeah. who can dance just as well. And, you know, like you really have to believe in yourself. But, um, you know, I was faced at anything I've ever done professionally, I had auditioned four or five times for. Mm-hmm. So I think just knowing 
and being resilient and going back to it and being, and knowing that I could do it. And just, I needed to kind of, um, get the time you needed to be right or whatever it was, but, um, just like the tenacity behind it. I think that really stems from, from, from dance and being told no over and over again. And did that kind of tenacity help you when you wanted to go off on your own and create your own business? Like, what was that like? Yeah. Yeah. So I had taught at a local studio for six and a half years. I had really dabbled in all things fitness. You know, it's really finding like my stride and what I loved about fitness. So I would not only, while I was teaching, I would not only, you know, take other people's classes, but I would take different modalities, yoga, reformer mm-hmm. Pilates, and just really figuring out um, what felt good and and really structuring a class that I felt like was missing in the dance-based fitness world. So yes, was I terrified? <laughs> Absolutely. But I had a side hustle in fashion at the time. That was my third job. <laughs> um, for all the artists out there, I'm sure that resonates, you know, three jobs. But um, I... I worked as a fit model with designers. So I was their live mannequin Mm -hmm. and that really gave me the financial, uh, stability to pursue the sculpt society. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for that because, um, I think it was so important to not rely on the sculpt society initially for, for my finances, um, and really cultivate the community and what I was doing and, um, the goal with, with my company before, before relying on it financially. So, um, I forget what the question was, but (laughs) if I was like, if I was nervous to leave, yes, I was definitely nervous and it it absolutely took me much longer to cultivate the community as well than I anticipated. But again, I was very adamant and, and really believed in what I could provide from a class standpoint. I just knew I needed bodies in the room to experience (laughs) the class. Um, and that just took time. And luckily I was able to give it time because I didn't have the financial stress of paying rent with teaching classes. And I think everything is all about timing, right? And this year was so crazy and, you know, so rough for so many people, but I feel like the Sculpt Society blew up because everyone was stuck at home and we were going to like a virtual like classes and things yeah. like that. So it was like the perfect moment. Um, and you also got married. So congratulations. This was Thank kind you. of like a, a, <laughs> a great year. year. <laughs> yeah. crazy. I know it's, it's the silver lining for me because, you know, I launched the Sculpt Society in real life classes three and a half years ago. And I only launched the Sculpt Society app November of 2019. Wow. So perfect. <laughs> so I, and that was another like really big, scary step because yeah. I was being told that I was absolutely crazy for doing that. Mm-hmm. And that like, how could I expect to, um, to run a digital business? Mm-hmm. Um, but I so believed in, again, what I was doing and that I could bring my in real life classes onto the screen and share that with so many more people. But yes, you know, so many poor people are now at home working out. And I think for a lot of people, they never would have thought that they could have found a great workout at home. I personally was always like kind of against at-home workouts, I was like, I need to be in a class. Like, otherwise I'm not going to do it. I need to like have the motivation and like the people around me. So it was like when we got locked up earlier in March, I was like, what do I do? Like, am I just like not going to work out? But, um, that's why finding something like the Sculpt Society was so great because I had that feeling of being in a class and that motivation without having to like actually be there. Yeah. And I think for so many of us, 
that similar experience, um, realizing how much more cost effective, yes, <laughs> right, uh, versus going to a you know if you come see me in New York City, it's a thirty five dollar class mm-hmm. for one class, and my my monthly subscription is nineteen ninety. Yeah, <laughs> so it's way more cost effective and and time effective, right? Yep. You know, you run a business. The fact that you can you know, work out, save time. I know so, I have so many moms in the community, like who don't have, like their, their kids napping, they have 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, how can we provide something like a solid workout to help stay, stay consistent? Yeah. And it was great because you could do like a 10 minute, like booty thing or like ab thing, or like even 30 minutes is like so hard. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, you know me, I like to pack it in. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was, it was exciting for me to see the community grow. And then also to bring in that live element. I also go live on the Swope yeah. Society app multiple times a week. And so I think for a lot of people realizing there's a sense of accountability with a live, like if you don't show up at that time, you're going to miss the class. And mm-hmm. I think for a lot of us who are at home, who crave that accountability, you know, like, yeah you know, before it would be like paying for a boutique fitness class. And if you don't show up, you And so for this, it's like, well, if you don't show up, you're losing the class. And so, um, I found that really, really great addition to the product. And then also being able to stay on afterwards and have my coffee chats with the community and be able to, you know, recognize names and, and, people and where they're coming in from and, you know, the ability to comment on the video and for me to see that and have that conversation. Well, that's also what I love about you in particular is you always like answer DMs and answer questions from like community. And well, that's also something like I try to do because I feel like it's so important if people are like engaging with you and reaching out to you to like have that connection. And, you know, so many people dismiss that connection, but it's so powerful and it is such like a tool to build like a strong community. Yeah. I think, you know, even at the start of when I launched the Sculpt Society three and a half years ago, I didn't have, I had 500 people on my Instagram, Mm -hmm. but I realized how powerful as a millennial, as a user of Instagram, that it was important to build that, that online community and then to really cultivate it, like you said, and, and answer people, right? Even if it, even if you have 500 followers, if someone's DMing you a question, make sure to, to respond. And, um, I, I think that really, um, just creates, you know, a community that's more engaged and more invested in what exactly. you're doing. Exactly. My issue now is I could literally spend 12 hours a day answering DMs. So I, I do feel bad when <laughs> no, I don't it, get to DMs. It is hard. Like sometimes I'll like dedicate like an hour on my couch and be like, I'm just going to get through this. You know? It's yeah, it's a lot. But, but at the same time, I get it because I've DM'd someone mm-hmm. and if they answer back, I'm like, oh my gosh, so-and-so answered me, <laughs> me back too. in a DM. So if I, if I can be that way in any, in any capacity for, for anyone who's following me, that's, that's awesome. What have you learned about yourself um, from founding the Sculpt Society? Gosh, I've learned a lot. I think I'm someone, and I've always been this way, but I think I really found it when I was when I founded my own company is I'm just such a workaholic <laughs> and I have zero boundaries when it comes to work in my professional life. Like I, it'll be 10 PM at night and I'm still on my computer. I work on the weekends. Um, it's really hard for me to take a day off. And, um, I think what this year has taught me is to step back a little bit and to allocate some work. It's the first time I've ever hired, um, I've always had um, like a team of trainers, Sculpt Study trainers teaching with me in in New York, but I've never really had um, the support from like a marketing um, 
uh, exec or, or even like community management, all mm-hmm. these little things that I was doing. And it was really spreading me really thin and yeah. also taking me away from the stuff that I'm actually good at. Right. So yeah. I was spinning 10 plates in the air and, um, and that's my, important to recognize like what you're good at and what like someone else could help you with. Yes. And my <laughs> husband's been really helpful in pointing that out <laughs> and, and forcing me to hire people, especially when COVID hit. And I was, I mean, I was answering support emails and, and, and just doing literally everything mm-hmm. for the company. And he was like, this is not sustainable. And your, t- your time spent answering a support email versus creating content for the app, you know, your time is way better spent, spent that, way. that way. So, um, I think something I've learned and realized that I need to change is that, you know, I, I will always be a bit of a workaholic, but learning how to allocate and, um, you know, <laughs> tell someone else what, the, you know, who's better at their job, what to, we you know, um, that they can take over that project and that I probably shouldn't be doing it because I'm not great at. What's something you look for when you're hiring someone? So the, I, I feel like I'm still learning in that realm of things. Um, gosh, um, I think making sure that they understand the business is really important, really, mm-hmm. under, you know, our understand like what the ethos of the company are, what I stand for and can talk to that. Um, I've made, I've made a couple bad hires in my past. It happens the same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm, I think you learn from your mistakes and you hope that you improve as you, as you move on. Um, I think people show their true colors pretty early on. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, you know, being able to recognize if something isn't working right. And Mm to, um, what do they say? Hire slow, fire, fire fast. fast. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something I'm learning to do. Um, yeah. and yeah. And just also for me, trusting, being able to st- trust that someone can to do trusting people with your and, baby. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's tough for me. Yeah. It's really tough. I understand. What's the most rewarding thing about being an entrepreneur and what's the hardest part? Gosh. Um, I think the most rewarding f- thing about the Sculpt Society for me is seeing and talking to my community. So like just hearing someone like you who's done the program and has, you know, felt and and seen and felt really the effects of the Sculpt study. I, I, I certainly believe in it, but when I see other people who are doing it and who are just as passionate about it and have parts of their lives have changed and their confidence has changed. I forced my husband, Kyle, to do a couple <laughs> workouts with me and he thought they were super hard. <laughs> they are. Yeah. He was like, what <laughs> is this? I can't put my leg this way. Well, and that's why I like to ha- bring Morgan in because yeah. my husband, because I think it's really great for other men to see, you know, Morgan doing it too. And if he's suffering, maybe they can suffer with him. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think the whole point of the Sculpt Society for me is to empower women to feel confident in their own bodies. So if I can do that for one or two people, I feel like I've really done my job. And that's really the most rewarding part of, of, of what I'm doing. Hey everyone, Olivia here. Hope you're enjoying our episode. Our clear cut collection features fine jewelry pieces inspired and designed with you in mind. Our collection is ever changing and each piece is handmade and made to order here in New York city. Don't forget to check it out and use the code COZY, C-O-Z-Y, for free shipping on any purchase. The hardest part of what I'm doing is is like what we just talked about. Yeah. It's just, it never stops. There's mm-hmm. always something to do. And that can just, that can get draining. And I think that's me learning again how to create 
um, some more boundaries and, you know, not need to do so much all the time and realize that I can slow down and continue to grow my business. What do you do for like personal self care? Cause you're always like working and on the go. Like yeah. what do you do like for mental and physical like self care? Um, pre COVID I would get a massage like once a week. Oh, love that. I know I would go to Chinatown, like the best cheap <laughs> massages in the world, like really, which obviously isn't happening, these yeah. days, <laughs> which is really sad. Um, I can't wait to go back to that, but, um, I try and meditate. I have meditations on, on the app mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm really passionate about. Um, I'm certainly not, I can be, I could be way better at, at, at you know, make being more consistent with, with how the cadence of wh- how much I'm doing per week, but I am also a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so just taking a couple you know, minutes every day to breathe. Sleep is really important to me. I get yes, a lot me of too. Sleep. <laughs> I'm, I love sleep. I think it's underrated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I feel like it's just so, so important just for overall well-being. Um, and then I think during COVID, you know, FaceTiming with my family has been a really big aspect of just having an uplifting conversation mm-hmm. or, you know, talking about your day with someone, um, that you love is, you know, as simple as something like that. And then also going for walks outside. Same. I've been like, just, well, during COVID, I was just walking in the park every day. Like that was all I did. (laughs) Well, I'm, I, to be honest, I'm really struggling with that now because Mm -hmm. of the weather in New York. Oh, I can't do it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's good. It's dark at like 4 PM. Yeah. So I've been, I mean, the fact that I had to take an Uber here. Today. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. I'm like doing this big outing. But it's, I mean, I noticed again, such a difference if I can just get outside for 10 minutes a day and walk and just, I think too, because pre-COVID we were, we were walking around and going from one appointment to the next and I was constantly moving. And then so you're just like locked in. Now I'm just locked into my apartment, especially now because I film yeah. from my apartment. So I don't have to leave. <laughs> yeah. It's good to force yourself out even like once a day just to feel like, you know, I got out there. Yeah. Is breath. there like a skill you learned during COVID or something you picked I, up? Uh, <laughs> I'm certainly not a tech person, even though I run a tech company. Me too. <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> but I, I do have to say, I've been very impressed with my, um, I've learned a lot from like a tech perspective with the app going live. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also my editing skills with my videos. So I used to have- You edit your own videos? I edit my own videos. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm impressed. That, I'm impressed. <laughs> so it was so funny because, you know, pre-COVID, when I launched the Sculpt Society app, I filmed everything in LA in a beautiful studio, well-lit, professionally done. I had it professionally edited mm-hmm. where, where, you know, COVID happens. And I'm like, well, I'm going to start filming from my living room. And that really forced me to learn how to mic myself, how to add music to a video, how to edit it on Final Cut Pro, mm-hmm. all of these things, which I always hired someone to do. Eventually, I will allocate that again because it's it is time consuming. Yes. But I will say it's it's a really nice skill to know that you can do it yourself and and you know what it takes to edit. Yeah, like you could do it from start to finish yeah. all by yourself if you yeah. wanted to, which yeah. is empowering. Yeah, and like even things like lighting, you know, <laughs> having to buy lights for my for the studio. Yeah, just educating myself on all of those things has been really actually fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I know that you just got married. Congratulations. And you were a COVID bride, like many of uh, pe- many of our clear-cut couples and people in our community. So kind of just want to talk about your experience with that because I feel like it would resonate with a lot of people. So talk about your journey from engagement oh to actual wedding. <laughs> so we got engaged 
December of 2019, so uh-huh. almost a year ago. Well, a year ago. Very excited. Mm-hmm. We initially thought we would be getting married in Cabo mm-hmm. with like 150 people. Mm-hmm. And then COVID happened. So When was it originally planned for? September. Okay. September 12th. Didn't happen. (laughs) So that idea obviously quickly um, fell through. And then we probably replanned it two more times. Yeah. Um, Let me also preface this by saying I'm someone who does not enjoy planning. Yes. (laughs) And also- And wedding planning is so stressful as it is. It's just like the worst thing ever. Yes. Also for someone who doesn't enjoy planning and also doesn't have a clear vi- – I'm not also one of those girls who have had this like clear, clear vision, vision. <laughs> like birth, yeah. which I am very jealous of the girls and women who do because I feel like that also just creates even more stress when you don't have that A, motivation to plan and B, a vision. So it was just – it was stressful getting to to – that, you know, a conclusion of what we wanted to do. We also had multiple venues like cancel on us. Mm. Um, it, it just was a really slow, stressful process. And honestly, we didn't have something locked down until about five weeks before. Our really? Wedding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so did you have to like postpone dates or like, or did you just end up having like a small ceremony on the same day or something? Like we that? So we changed it to October 18th and mm-hmm. that, that date sort of went from September 12th to I think it was going to be October 11th. I, you know, it changed <laughs> yeah. multiple times until we could really lock down a venue who yeah. would commit to us. Mm-hmm. So it was, we, we ended up with, with our date and then, um, we obviously decided we just needed to make it um, immediate family only because mm-hmm. there were strict rules in place in Santa Barbara where we were getting married. And it also just simplified things a little bit too with with COVID and making sure everyone felt really comfortable. And I saw the photos and brides and it looked beautiful. Was it, you know, I know it wasn't exactly how you pictured it, but were you happy with the end result? Was it everything like you yeah. hoped for in like this plan? Yeah. So we had originally planned to have the ceremony and the reception in the same place, mm-hmm. um, which was at a hotel. I had never seen the venue before. <laughs> <laughs> so I get to Santa Barbara and I like, I see this, it's like a beautiful small terrace that's looking yeah. over the ocean. It's really nice, but it's very small. And I immediately not freak out, but I'm just a little <laughs> upset because I'm trying to envision how this ceremony is going to go. Um, so long story short, I'll keep it short for you guys, but we did switch the ceremony to be at the Santa Barbara courthouse, which is outside. Um, it is super magical. And um, that was the best decision we made about the wedding. Um, so yes, the day of, it was really nice. I felt very present. I Mm -hmm. felt zero stress. I did my own hair and makeup. You know, I felt it was nice because I think as someone who, even though I am in front of a lot of people, I, I'm an introvert. So Mm -hmm. I think the idea of having this intimate ceremony was actually ideal. It's really special. Yeah. You know, Morgan and I said our own vows. Mm -hmm. And I think, being able to have that moment with just our immediate family was was re- incredible. And again, the most important thing for me was that I felt present. Oftentimes in a big event, I can almost feel outside of my body. So the fact that I could just be there and, and take that all in, I was really grateful for. And then um, the ceremony, we ended up going to the hotel, I mean, the reception to the hotel, which was gorgeous and again, very, very intimate and um, and special. What advice would you give for other COVID brides who are still like in the midst of figuring things out? I think 
I think if you've gone from the idea of planning a big wedding to having a small wedding, there's this sort of the idea that maybe it's just not going to be as you expected it to be or as special yeah. if it is smaller. But just to know that even if it's a small wedding, even if you're doing it in your backyard, it's not about all of the stuff. It's really about you and your future husband and those special vows that you're exchanging in front of your important people in your life. And I think that gets that's really clear on the day of. And so just to let the stress of all the other stuff go, because that's really not what matters. And you're not going to remember it. I don't remember the place setting or yeah. really the food. I, I remember our vows. I remember the speeches. Um, and I remember my dance with Morgan. I couldn't agree more because a lot of times you get lost in like all the stuff of the wedding, like all the small details. And then it just doesn't even it's not even about you guys anymore. You know, it's right. about like, and then people just like criticize yeah. the food and the this, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. And I, I mean, I've been to so many weddings too, where like, I don't even, I couldn't tell you like my be- what the food was like. No. I really couldn't tell yeah. you. Like, I remember it was a fun wedding. Yeah, like, exactly. No one like, no one actually remembers. So just to, to, I think my advice to keep it simple and just remember why you're there. Exactly. Um, so before my wedding, I remember that everyone was telling me like, oh, you have to like starve yourself and like crash diet and like work out. So like I did that and (laughs) I like would literally work out like six days a week. And I'm not like some, I'm, I'm always struggled with like diet fads and like working out really hard and then not doing it for a few months. So like, what are your thoughts around like wedding diets or just like fad diets and like that kind of lifestyle in general? I've talked about this a lot before, and I'm sure you've heard me talk about it too, but my early 20s was completely consumed by yo-yo dieting and binge eating and having a really unhealthy relationship with food and my body and my internal dialogue. And so I have really worked on that, really worked through it, and I'm a big advocate for intuitive eating and and really checking in with our internal dialogue. I think most women can resonate with what you've been through, what I've been through. We, on some level, have had some type of disordered relationship with food or your body on mm-hmm. some level, on some some way. So, um, you know, when I went, when I was, when I got engaged, I think there were definitely moments in my mind where I was like, "Well, I have to get into the best shape of my <laughs> yes. life," and you know, I'm constantly checking in with that internal dialogue and and I I really am having to almost speak back to it. And so I made a real conscious decision to not be in that mindset. And if I ever had those thoughts to really kind of change the conversation with myself, because I do think it's super easy to fall back into those, that behavioral pattern of wanting to go on a yo-yo diet to look your best Mm -hmm. or to get into quote unquote, the best shape of your life. But I really wanted to feel like myself on my wedding day. Um, I know my husband wanted me to look like myself on my wedding day, and I just I didn't want to fall into that mindset. So it, I certainly I had to work on that um, throughout the process of the wedding, mm-hmm. um, but just constantly reminding myself um, that I was enough and that I, I wanted to I wanted to feel good and healthy on my wedding day, and I never wanted to look back on my wedding pictures and be like, well, there is that un- unattainable wedding weight oh that I was at um, because. It's unattainable, right? Yeah. I mean, I literally, we got married in Italy and we went a week earlier just to make sure everything was okay. And I didn't eat a single carb for the week before my wedding in Italy. (laughs) I had pancakes the morning of my wedding. (laughs) I'm so jealous. (laughs) But I do think, I do, I think it is important for women to hear if you are getting married, like 
to take that pressure off as much. Mm-hmm. I think it's really much easier to say, say than yeah. do. But to really, I think as women, we really have to be much more conscious of the things that we're talking to ourselves about, the stories we're telling ourselves and believing, especially when it comes to our body. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit about intuitive eating? Because I know I've heard you mention it before, but I don't really know what it is. Yeah. I think intuitive eating is just simplifying. It's not a diet. It's really just about, I think on the most simple terms, eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, trusting yourself around food. And also, by the way, coming from someone who used to yo-yo diet and binge, like that was a really tough place to get to. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm constantly striving to eat food that fuels me and feels good. So I think when you take away that diet mindset, you know, um, the idea of mac and cheese suddenly doesn't become like this, this, you know, item that's off the list and because you can have it if you want it. Right. So when things aren't on like the bad list or the good list and you're just (laughs) listening to your body and you're actually in tune with what is giving you energy and what's making you feel good, then you, then you generally, um, you may have a bite or two of it, but then it, it doesn't become, um, like all consuming idea that you need this. Cause the more you restrain yourself, the more like you want it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, what's like, it's almost, it's you're vilifying food. Yeah. So if you can stop doing that a little bit more and just, um, and trust yourself around food and trust that your body's going to tell you when it's had enough and when it's hungry. And that especially as women, that being hungry isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, it's, um, it's really just that I, I eat intuitively, but again, that doesn't mean I'm having macaroni and cheese every night. Yeah. That's because macaroni and cheese doesn't necessarily, it tastes delicious, but, but not every ne- night. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. yeah. It doesn't really necessarily give me the energy or the, yeah, it doesn't make me feel great. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely striving just to eat whole unprocessed food. I think too, with intuitive eating, that's also how I approach food fitness. You know, my fitness is all about doing what feels good. The Sculpt Society to me is a big celebration of our bodies to feel confident, to feel empowered. So taking a lot of what I've learned with intuitive eating and eating in a way that feels good, and then also moving in a way that feels good. And I think the combination of those two is incredibly powerful. And I know on in your workouts, you always like adjust and give like alternative ways to do things. And I usually take advantage of those. (laughs) Um, so that totally makes sense. Like if you know, you're like today, this doesn't feel good. Do it this way. And I'm like, okay, today it doesn't feel good. (laughs) Totally. Totally. And I, and anyone out there too, if you know, dance-based fitness doesn't resonate with you and hit or strength training or yoga. I'm, I'm a big advocate of just finding a way of moving that your body that feels good. Um, and again, that translates to food as well. I actually have a question. So I know that, um, your program combines like the dance based cardio and then like the sculpting stuff. And I sometimes will just do the sculpt because I love that, but is it bad to just do one and not the other combined? So I have a a big demographic on uh, part of the Sculpt Study community that is not a fan of dance cardio. And I always say that that's completely fine um, because there's so much low impact sculpt on the app, which I think is a really great offering. Um, I also go over, if you don't want to do, say you're doing my 10 week program, if Mm -hmm. you don't want to do dance cardio, walk outside for 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, ride a bike for 30 minutes. There's other ways of getting cardio. And especially with my low impact 
sculpt classes, the way I've programmed it is still going to get your heart rate up. Oh yeah. I'm still sweating. Yeah. So I'm like <laughs> sneaky about that. And I think if you, if you know how to program a class well, you can still get someone's heart rate up in a low impact way. And so I'm a huge advocate and I'm constantly talking about it because I think there's a misconception with the sculpt society that it's all dance cardio and it's actually, I would say 80% yeah. low impact sculpt. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sometimes I like to like throw in, you know, a little follow along. Little, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you know me, like the, my follow along dance cardio is simple, stupid. I keep it repetitive. Yeah. You don't have to like know how no. to dance. We're heel tapping and jumping yeah. jacks, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? What do you see for the future of the Sculpt Society? Like, what are your future goals? Like, tell us a little bit yeah. about that. Um, I think for, you know, my initial initial um, goals for the Sculpt Society is just to continue to grow mm-hmm. uh, the community. Uh, it has grown so much this year, yeah, right? It's been crazy. Blown up. It's been really <laughs> exciting to see. Yeah, it's so fun for me to, you know, especially during the lives when people can tell me where they're tuning in from. And it's like Singapore yeah. and Hawaii and like all, just all over the world. And you're just, it's so exciting. Um, so yeah, just continuing to just grow that community online. Um, I would love to do like once COVID is done, like a little mini tour around the country and, you know, do classes in real life and meet the community in real life. Cause that's so special. You did something like that in the Hamptons this summer, right? I did, I did a little pop-up. So I'd love to do that like on the road. Yeah. That'd um, be cool. And then I, then, you know, I, I have so many ideas for, you know, active wear and lifestyle products that, that I would love to pursue, but, but we'll see. Cause it is like, it's a whole, it's a lifestyle. Yes. It's yes. not just a workout. Yes. yes. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to see it grow and continue yeah. to flourish. And it was so amazing having you here and meeting you. I literally feel like I <laughs> met someone that I like know, oh, which is weird. So <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Thank you for um, having me. Of course. So tell everyone where they can follow you, yeah. how they can get the app, all that good stuff. You can find me on Instagram at Megan Roop and then at the Sculpt Society. And, you know, you can get a two-week free trial on the Sculpt Society app through my website, which is thesculptsociety.com. Um, you can drop a DM and say hi. <laughs> She'll yeah. answer you. And I'll, I'll try to answer you. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you found that conversation inspirational and that you will trust your intuition and your gut in all things that will lead you to greatness and success. So remember to follow Megan at Megan Rube and the Sculpt Society. And of course, follow us at The Clear Cut for all your jewelry and diamond needs.